if UVA is going to be on a run of winning national championships, then yeah, I don't care. Uh, this global warming stuff, I don't care about anymore. Burn all the glaciers. <laughs> let's let's end the planet. <laughs> yeah, let's. I don't need to be here for this. Um, I'm okay. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Lila McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae with me as usual. And Leland, let's get into the Shenandoah District spring sports extravaganza here. It's starting to wind down. We're getting close to postseason time. On the pitch, it is the Lee boys at 11-0 and the Stewart's Draft girls 11-0. Of course, we'll be talking to the Stewart's Draft girls coach, Coach Lane, here later on in the podcast. But her team still yet to give up a goal yeah and and we saw that last year with the lee boys they went on that long stretch of not giving up a goal so and it's just really rare so uh it's crazy to see it two years in a row from two different teams in our area uh but good for them uh they're strong george mason girls just like we talk about george mason for the boys george mason girls are very good too they've won a bunch of state titles i believe in a row um so that's what's in front of them um, and, and there might be some other teams in the girls side of things that I'm just not as aware of, but I think they have a really good shot going deep. Uh, they got to make it to that region championship game, uh, where they probably will see, a uh, George Mason. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. And, uh, I'm really excited about what they're able to do. I'm really excited, uh, to hear from their coach. Riverheads boys on the diamond. They are 13 and two. Last week, they played three games and won them by a combined score of 33 to five. Ouchies. Yeah, it was it was big time week last week, but not exactly the top of the competition ladder. Allegheny, not strong. Uh, I think they put 16 on Allegheny, but then Gap and Stonewall, not exactly the top of the standings in uh, in the district there. So they did what they were supposed to do. They beat up on lesser teams and uh, took care of business this week. Their hardest game against Wilson uh, early in the week, and then they'll finish with Lee and Loray, who are two more teams that are not exactly at the top of the uh, of the rankings there. So Riverhead should have another good week. Uh, be surprised if they lost any of those, but that Wilson game could be tough at Wilson. Um, Lord knows when I was playing, we went over to Wilson and lost games we shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, it, it's it should be a good week for them and, uh, you know, kind of hitting their stride. Uh, and then going to tennis, that is where Wilson is excelling, and they are really oh, yeah. excelling with the boys' tennis program that is undefeated in match play. Yeah, and that's a tough, I believe, tough region, tough two-way bracket. Uh, so they have a, a, a daunting task uh, ahead of them with some of these other teams that are really good in two-way boys' tennis. But, hey, they're strong. They have a good coach. I know Patrick Hyde had an article early in the season about their coach and everything uh, going on in his career even outside of the Wilson boys tennis program. So uh, a lot to be known there. I do want to jump back before we get out of the high school sports talking about the Lee boys, that Lee Wilson soccer game didn't happen last week. It got canceled due to weather. It's going on this week on Thursday. I'm trying my best to be there last Friday would have worked a lot better for me, but it's still a one loss Wilson team. Uh, they should win this week as well uh, to still make a big matchup at the end of the week between those two teams in the district. So, uh, you know, a big week for Lee soccer as, as they play, you know, two down teams and then finish out with a strong Wilson team at the end of the week. Yeah. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens there. I don't, I just really, I know we talked about it last week. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying, but it's the hardest team they've will have faced. 
It doesn't matter. In the regular season. It so doesn't matter. It's something. Okay. Okay. It's a somewhat of a measuring stick. If they not if really. They, if they don't beat them eight nothing, I think that's hey. That's Wilson, not that's not what they're better here than to other do. Teams. <laughs> they're, that's not what they're here to do. They're here that's to try to win a state do. championship, and George Mason is the measuring stick there. Not yeah. not Wilson. Well, you got no to play games Wilson. before you get there. Yeah. Um, but let's move on, Leland, to the NFL draft. The thing you and I have been putting off as much as we could. I watched none of it. Um, I did hear some recap. Uh, but let's start with the local stories before we go to the national stories. Um, Let's see. Virginia Tech had zero people drafted. That's a great sign for the program under the I'm sorry. I'm interrupting this. The biggest news is Mike Herndon getting signed by the Saints. I don't believe any other Riverheads player has been signed by an NFL team before, so that's great news. He has an opportunity. Hey, he has a mountain ahead of him, and uh, it's hard to make these teams when you're a free agent, undrafted. You have to find the right spot to fit in if you you want to play. But maybe he can get stick around through camps, maybe a practice squad, some kind of. That's kind of the where you're looking. That's your hopes. You're not you know looking to be starting in the NFL next year. You're you're gonna have to build your way there, try to catch on at the right spot. But he has an opportunity, so that's the start. Um, you know, not too many kids are even going around the NFL from this area. So that's the biggest news. Before we get to the local colleges, that's the biggest news. Congratulations to Mike Herndon, former podcast um, interview. Go back and listen to his interview because uh, it was a good one. He's talking about the process ahead of it. We will try to get him back on at some point to to hear about how this process has gone and what he's doing when we talk to him. So that's that's the biggest news locally out of the draft. Yeah, and congratulations to him for getting picked up by the Saints. I mean, it's... Yeah. I know... Th- Anytime you talk to somebody, they're going to say, yeah, it would have been better to have been drafted, but still to get signed and, you know, hey, hey, if you're on, if you get signed, it means you still have a chance. So, and he's going to get a little bit of money. So there you yeah, go. We're, and, we're wishing um, him the best of luck. No doubt. Seventh round draft picks get cut pro- just as often as unsigned free agents. So it, it's not that much of a difference of being a late round draft pick and an unsigned free agent. Yeah. All right. Now talk about the Hokies. They... Um, had nobody drafted, like you were saying, first time in 25 years. And sure, you can you can put a peg on the wall. That's that's another bad sign. That's another reason Joe's right that we're all doomed and Virginia Tech's gonna be terrible in football for as long as Fuente is a memory. But last year they had four underclassmen drafted. Any one of those guys stick around a year, they get drafted this year. So it's not like the talent has just been barren from Virginia Tech, and that's why we're not getting anybody drafted. And there'll be people drafted next year. The talent level is down. The top line talent is down from what it's been, but you got to hope Fuente's recruiting guys that'll build up to that. And I believe on the roster, sophomores, maybe some juniors that will get drafted. So I, I just don't say this is the end of the world. This is just some sign that we're doomed forever. It's not a good sign. No, it's not. That's the words I think I said. It's not a good sign. Uh but we're not doomed forever. We're not doomed forever because Justin Fuente won't be there forever. When he misses a bowl game, he'll be out. But I'm just saying, this isn't good. You're not recruiting the talent you need. I, I guess these unsigned free agents, like which one of those guys did Fuente bring there? Those are all Beamer guys. Oh, this is even more bad news. So you're telling me that he hasn't produced a single NFL caliber player. Well, one of the Edmonds last year that got drafted was one of his first draft class, one of his first recruiting classes, and he left after the third year. I just don't think he's going to be any. I just 
don't I, get a good feeling. Every time I look at unprecedented hokey news, it's not good news. It's bad news. <laughs> that is true. But it's true. We're in a bad, we're not in a good spot. I'm hoping we can come out of it. The one thing I would say from that is ACC teams average 10 draft picks over a four-year period. Miami has a lot more than that. Wake Forest has less. But 10 is the they average. Well, Virginia Tech has had 10 in the last four years. So they're not at the bottom of the ACC for getting people drafted at this point. But my point to that is what you will obviously agree with. Average isn't good enough. We're not here to be average in the ACC. We're here to be at the top of the ACC. So it's got to go up from here. We can't have nine next year or eight and then and be dwindling here. We got to get better than this. But it is something to say, hey, this is an odd year, I believe, since we've had people drafted for the last 25, and I think in the future we will be getting people drafted. This is just the, the odd year, and if things are going well like I want them to, then we're not going to really hear this stat again. I hope you're right. Cavaliers, uh, Juan Thornhill, Alta Vista kid, he got drafted in the second round by Kansas City. He's a good player. I mean, he, like watching UVA this year, I and, and I had watched him play in high school when he was playing playoff games against Riverheads. He's a good football player, so that's exciting. Uh, you know, someone playing single A football getting uh, or single double A football getting drafted. Very cool. Uh, they also had Tim Harris drafted in the sixth round. So they got two guys in there. Hey, UVA always getting guys drafted, even in the lean years when they're not picking up a lot of wins. They usually have talent on the field and they're getting guys drafted. I mean, even in some of their worst years, they've had some pretty high draft picks. So uh, not too different there with that second rounder in Juan Thornhill. Uh, you know, four or five undrafted free agents there getting picked up. Uh, I think Virginia Tech had uh, five or six there, including Stephen Peoples from uh, Galax. So, uh, boy, I don't know how an NFL team saw anything in him. Yeah, he's probably not going to catch on. Uh, the one I thought that was interesting, going back to Virginia Tech, was Trayvon McMillan, who's been at Colorado the last two years and fairly productive. He got picked up by Pittsburgh, uh, so I have a rooting interest in what he does. Yeah, he was the best running back Justin Fuentes ever had, and he managed to chase them to Colorado, so that was good. All right. I'm glad to uh, see Zacchaeus is no longer at UVA because, my goodness, it felt like that guy was a terror to us every year when we played them. That was the one guy on their offense that I was worried about. He's very quick. I'm interested to see how he does in Atlanta. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So plenty of people to follow there from the local colleges, even more. And this is another feather in Joe's cap. Uh, ODU had two players drafted, two guys that the Hokies saw a lot of uh, in the third round. Oshani uh, Zimes got drafted a defensive end to the Giants. He's out of ODU. And then also Travis Filgram got uh, drafted there to Detroit in the sixth round. So two guys from ODU get drafted, none from Virginia Tech. It's just another layer of Joe makes points that are hard to argue with. Hey, JMU even had somebody drafted. Jimmy Moreland got drafted to the Redskins. Yeah, happy for him. Uh, he's a DB going up there. Um I don't know how much room those skins are going to have for him. So he's going to have to work hard I, and he's a seventh round pick. And that's what I'm saying. These seventh round picks, they just know where they're going when the draft ends instead of having to sign a contract after. So um, it's not that hugely different between those late, late round guys and the unsigned guys. I agree. All right. So the skins, the guys I want to talk about the skins and probably one is the biggest, one of the bigger stories of the draft was the Redskins getting, you know, QB of the future, you know, their franchise quarterback guy. I don't like Haskins a lot. I, I didn't enjoy him at Ohio State. I didn't think highly in the draft. Him dropping behind somebody, another quarterback in the draft, somewhat unexpectedly, doesn't surprise me. The fact that it actually happened and who it is probably does. I, I, I will get to that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But 
that's who Redskins wanted. He's from the area. There was a mindset of that, you know, they wanted that local kid that it was good. They thought he was good enough for that spot. They got their guy and they didn't have to move up to get him. And otherwise, you know, I think a successful draft, they filled the holes they needed. I like the Bryce Love pick. I mean, he was a very productive uh, running back at Stanford. I think he can provide depth in that backfield. Um, maybe he's a third down back. I, d- I don't know, but I think he provides depth to the thir- to what Stanford, what uh, what the Redskins are doing. I liked that pick. See, I thought their best pick of the draft was their second first round pick when they got Montez Sweet from Mississippi State. They drafted State. back up into that. Yeah, yeah, that was a really really good pick. I thought that is going to help them more than Dwayne Haskins. Um, and I might be wrong. Maybe Haskins. <laughs> well, if that's the truth, then they're doomed for a while. Maybe Haskins figures it out. But I I just I thought the Redskins were a team that could ride Case Keenum for a year. Whatever happens, happens. You get a quarterback, quarterback next, next year, year in a much deeper draft class for quarterback. Uh, I didn't. I don't think Kyler Murray is going to have success in the NFL. I don't think Jones, who the Giants drafted inexplicably, high as they did um, i can't believe they drafted him that high i thought he i think he's a decent that, quarterback i just no, he's not a, the sixth he best is pick. bad that kid is gonna flame out so hard he's in a tough spot i i feel bad for the kids i think in the right spot where maybe he could sit um yeah like the new england patriots or something maybe. behind somebody good. yeah if, if the patriots got him at 31 or 32 whatever that would have made some sense to me and I would have hated it, but it could have been a good situation for him. He's in the New York market behind Eli, who they've all lost patience with. So as soon as he comes in, there's no patience. I, he's in a tough spot. It's going to be really tough for him to succeed. No, uh, Eli's going to live forever there because it's a franchise that is run by absolute clown show. Uh, he's going to fail. He's going to be bad. Dwayne Haskins will be better than Jones. I'll give the Redskins that. They got a better quarterback and they waited. They didn't trade up. They didn't mortgage the future, which I thought was really smart. Um, and, and they got their guy to fall to him. I still don't think Dwayne Haskins is going to be great. I thought there are too many flaws in his game from when he was at Ohio State, but we'll see. They drafted him, and we'll see what happens there. They got Montez Sweet to fill the pass rusher need that they needed, uh, and I think he's yeah. going to be a really good football player. So They have the a Redskins, decided direction. I have to respect that they have a plan. Yeah. Because there's been times of recent years, it just seems like, what are they doing? For the Redskins, the Giants are in your division. You play them twice. You'll get to pound on Jones and Eli Manning (laughs) twice. There you go. How about your Ravens? Um, I just don't care. Um, I thought the draft was fine. We didn't make any splashy moves, but we didn't do anything stupid. Uh, Marquise Brown's a he's an okay wide receiver. I don't think any of the wide receivers are going to matter because I don't think we're going to have anyone who can get him the ball. I don't think Lamar Jackson can throw the ball further than seven yards down the field, which is an issue in the NFL. Jalen Ferguson, we need, we're going to need pass rushers because we're going to have to just blitz the bejesus out of everyone we play and hope our defense scores touchdowns because our offense isn't going to. And um, hopefully Justice Hill's pretty good because, you know, in typical Ravens fashion, we cut our leading rusher every year. So maybe he'll I, come in and be that. I was Trace interested. McSorley at the end is interesting. Yeah, that's what uh, I wanted to hear. He's a, he's a Briarwoods kid. I got to see him play in high school. He was good in high school. thought he was okay in college. Um, he had flashes of brilliance when he was at Penn State, and he had flashes of what are you doing when he was at Penn State. It'll be interesting to see what that means in the NFL. He's going to have to compete for his spot on the roster. I don't know if he beats out RG3 for a job or not. I think that's what he's doing. 
I don't know if the Ravens take three quarterbacks on the roster this year. But he can so, practice squad, and you keep him around. Uh, yep. I don't know if the Ravens have three quarterbacks on the team, though, is my point. And I don't I don't know. It, it's interesting. We'll see. I, I would keep three quarterbacks on the roster if I was the Ravens because you have RG3 and Lamar Jackson, who are both guys who like to run and are very easily breakable, in my opinion. So it would be nice to have Trace McSorley who also is able to get out of the pocket. I wouldn't say he's necessarily a runner, yeah, but, but that's he's not... mobile enough to escape pressure when needed. Um, I, I don't, I just don't know if his, if he's accurate enough. Like that's my problem. I mean, with he's Haskins. a rookie too. So if you get down to him because of injuries this year, that's a terrible spot. I mean, if you it's have two quarterbacks spot. that you're worried about breaking, you need a veteran guy sitting in that third spot. It's and a that's great not what spot really because is. we'll be high in the draft next year and we can get an actual quarterback. <laughs> that'll be interesting Steelers a lot of defense a couple offensive spots that are interesting I like their first pick in Devin Bush I just worried as it was happening they traded up to 10 to get them I believe they gave up their their first round pick obviously and then um gave up a next year number two so it wasn't terribly expensive so I like the pick um, I'm just not in a in a vague near how you care. I don't I don't tear apart a Steelers draft ever because I just trust that it's somewhat good, somewhat building for the future. So I do just trust it. I got worried we might have given up too much value when I found out what we gave up. I I kind of eased on my worry there. Um, I like the wide receiver we got out of Toledo. I think he's an underrated guy. It's been a lot of the talk about him since that point. Um, and then uh, the defensive guys that we got, I like. I, I know that Gentry guy from Michigan, that tight end. Um, so it's from familiarity, but, you know, I just depend on these guys to plug in. You know, if you're picking up a lineman, a defensive tackle from Alabama, he's probably pretty good. So to get him in the sixth round, I like it. Um, I think he's going to have to shape up a little bit for the NFL, but you got him late. I mean, it's a six-round pick that I'm, I'm overanalyzing. So I think the Steelers, I'm, I'm not mad with the draft but it's not like it makes me happy either. I just, I'm cool. I don't see anything that jumps off the page that I'm mad about. So I'm good. Let's, let's go to minicamp. I agree. All right. Uh, NCAA football, UVA had their spring game. I honestly didn't read anything about that game, but I know what happened. I saw a picture. Um, I, there weren't many people in it. Well, the UVA fans will love our coverage of their spring game. It happened <laughs> and good luck next year. I heard they didn't even have an announcer at the game. It was just like they're on the field practicing and people in the stands watching. I mean, I guess that's why you don't get people there because if, if you're not creating an environment. I know you don't care about spring games, but it's a fun time in Blacksburg. I mean, everybody's tailgating. Uh, they do some, uh, you know, the announcer's there. There's a lot of game-type things happening. They present awards at halftime and stuff. Like, it's an event. And if you're into it, it's great. If you're not, fine. But – Maybe that's why you're not getting a lot of interest in your spring game if you're not playing it up a little bit. I think it's an opportunity for fans to come together and have a good time and positive feelings about your football team. I guess when you're coming off a national championship in basketball, maybe you're not as worried about just having good spring feelings about your football team. Um, you have a lot else to celebrate. Um, we're not going to get into the news around their basketball team in these last couple of weeks, but uh, maybe you're not focused on that. So fine. It's just, it's just different than I would like for my football team, but I don't know what around UVA football I would say isn't like that. <laughs> yeah. No, no good news there. I want to move on to Brock Hoffman and the NCAA denying his waiver for his transfer. Uh, his mom is ill. That's, That's why he's week. transferring 
to Virginia Tech because it's closer, uh, and he wants to be with his mother, who I believe has a brain tumor. Yeah. And um, the NCAA denied the waiver uh, because it's, what, 10 miles outside the 100-mile radius. Um, but Tate Martell... Yeah, maybe he didn't want to play college football at Renault College or something. I don't... Yeah, his his hardship, <laughs> his hardship waiver got denied, but Tate Martell's hardship waiver got approved because his hardship is he's... Uh, not going to play at Ohio State if he stays, I guess. Um, yeah. Fields transferred from Georgia to Ohio State. Um, he he had some other stuff going on, but I believe Fields was quoted as saying that actually wasn't part of it. He just wanted to get on the field. This um, just seems cut and dry decision. You look at the situation; it just shouldn't be a question. And if just like you said, all these other like star quarterbacks and star players are are just switching teams and somehow there's a reason and it works. This kid who is not some five-star recruit, good solid player. I think he can, he can help us, but you know, I think he was doing good at East Carolina or at um, coastal Carolina too. He's trying to be closer to home for his family. And there's an obvious reason and whatever reason the NCAA wants to pull it out there that they won't allow this waiver is just, it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. And, and whatever statements they want to put out is made up statements. They've messed up and now they're just trying to cover their butts. Yeah. I was going to say their CYA statement is, well, it was the wrong kind of waiver form. Okay. How hard would it have been since somebody apparently went and looked this up? How hard yeah. would it have been for someone at that department to been like, oh, this is the waiver form you should have felt yeah. out. Uh, we'll go ahead and transfer the information. You're good to go. Yeah, um, you're going to get approved. You got to fill this out instead. Not just stamp denied, send it there and shut up until social media blows up on you. Like the NSA always does, they're late to reacting and they don't they, care yeah, about they a, an issue mm-hmm. until social media blows up on them. They they got to look at some of this stuff and and deal with it before we know about it. And this is one they have the paper that tells them the issue. This isn't a kid saying I'm hungry and I don't eat enough and I'm going to social media first Which to tell people nonsense. I'm hungry. This is a paper you have in your hands. Handle the situation correctly like a professional organization. Yeah, if his name was Tate Martell or if he was transferring to Alabama or Miami, that would have been accepted in a day. But because, like you said, he's not some five-star guy. He's transferring to Virginia Tech, not some blue blood program. He's going to get denied, and the NCAA is going to try to sweep it under the rug. And now that it's been, now that they've been blasted on social media for it, now they're trying to say with this, come up with this crazy story. It's why when the NCAA and these athletes fight, I almost look. I, I'm never on the pay the athlete side, but there's no heroes in that battle. The NCAA is the devil, and the players who think <laughs> they should be paid and think a free scholarship isn't worth anything are the devil light um it, it it's you're you're rooting for bad and bad junior uh, to me it, it there's no heroes the ncaa is stupid it, this was such a slam dunk and such a no-brain yeah. decision that they managed to screw up because it's the ncaa and that's what bureaucracy does is screw things up i agree with your thoughts on the ncaa i I don't think this player should be paid. I'm not going there. I don't want to go down I, that rabbit hole right now. I'm not going to call him the devil right light now. or something like that. They see how much money is being floated around because of their... I'm not going down that rabbit hole. It's not... It's a... No. I'm not against the topic being discussed. Because I think that's I am the for this way episode. that the value of the education that they're getting can... It gets recognized because obviously it's not getting recognized as it is. So it needs to be highlighted, the value of what they are getting. I agree. I don't want to have this debate this episode. 
I don't want to debate with you on this because I think we, we feel the same. We both don't want him to get paid. I just I'm not going to compare how the NCAA continually does things that hold that are against the players that are dumb that should never. It's just brain dead. Right decisions right in front of you make it to what the players are doing trying to examine a topic when how when they see their head coaches making ten million dollars a season. Uh, what's his face at Clemson? Dabo Sweeney just got that extension. Like you see that much money going around them. It's hard for the players at the big universities that are, have that kind of money going around them to say that. That's why the Northwestern thing I thought was a bit different when those players were really pushing for it. That was a different kind of road there because that isn't a blue blood program. That isn't an SEC program or a team that's winning two out of three national titles. And they were really examining that point. I'm not against the people talking about it. And I'm not going to really have as much negative to say about the idea that they think that. I just don't agree with them. The NCAA, I can, I think, are are hateful. I think they they go out of their way to do stupid things. I think they make effort to do things wrong, and I think that's terrible. Yeah, I, I think they should put a cap on the athletic budgets of these schools, but that's another topic. To yeah, yeah, that's that's not a bad idea. I want to talk about your hockey team. We won the Stanley Cup last year. It's okay. I'm disappointed that we <laughs> lost. Um, no, in the moment, the says that next year, you're not going to accept that at all. <laughs> I will. Uh, it'll be fine. Um, look, it was disappointing that we lost in the fashion we did. I felt like we resorted to some old capitals things of we have all these great offensive shooters. Let's pass it around and wait for the perfect shot rather than throwing it at the goalie letting it bounce off of them, see if we can get a rebound, especially when you're in double overtime. When the players are tired, what they need to realize is, hey, guess who else is tired? The goalie. He's not going to be making those fantastic glove saves. Throw it at the puck. Maybe it goes or throw the puck at the net. Maybe it goes in. Maybe it bounces off of him, and one of your teammates is there and can get a yeah. rebound. You know, that, like Carolina got in double overtime and beat us. It wasn't a bad job by Holtby. He just had three Carolina Hurricanes standing around him. Yeah. While when we have the puck, we've got four guys playing four corners and one guy at the red dots. The goalie has perfect vision to everything around him. No one's screening him. It just looked like our offense was just totally in la-la land. That was the frustrating part the, about it. And Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz was a lot bigger of a deal than Caps fans wanted to believe, and myself included. Yeah, they just needed to sign him. That that seemed like simple, but yeah, the Barry Trotz that, wanted too much money. I think that was a lose lose situation. The end of that third period and going into overtime of that game seven was was frustrating to watch. And I'm not a big hockey guy, and I I'll tell you what, I got to that game at the end of the third period and overtime. I I wasn't there before that, and but it was frustrating because there was just no shots on goal from the Capitals and and. I don't know. The thing about hockey, and maybe you can explain this to me quickly, they just don't seem to care about possession. They just give the puck up way too easily. I would care a lot more it's for line about changes. retaining possession. When you, probably what you're referring Not to is when they dump changes. the puck, when they dump the puck in deep. That's for line changes. It. When they're when they're a man down and they clear it and throw it down the ice. That's so the other team isn't taking pot shots at your goalie. You're a man down. You don't want to be on the attack and a man down when the other team gets the puck back. I just, I guess if you start adding all those different things, like those two different ways that you kind of mentioned there, maybe we're taking care of a big chunk of them. It just, I, I don't know. And I'm not trying to make it like I know how to play hockey better. I know strategy better. I just, when I'm watching it, I'm just frustrated when they're in middle of the ice and they just seem to give it up too easy. It's And it's not a clear out situation. It's not dumping the puck. It's just carelessness 
or maybe it's like it's for how skilled these guys seem some of the time, especially going around the net and wrapping around and scoring or getting around a guy. The skills that you see at different points when they just like it does maybe not lazily, but they just kind of give it up too easy in the middle. It just seems weird to me. And every other sport, it's you football. You want to have the ball, run the clock down. In many cases, uh, basketball. UVA won a national championship this year, having the ball more than the other team and using up the entire shot clock. It just it's it's weird for me to adjust to hockey where possession changes so often. Everybody seems cool with it. I, based on what you're describing, it sounds like line changes. You just hand them the puck at mid ice. Throw it hand it to the them at mid ice. You throw me. it in their end. Now, when you're turning it over in the middle of the ice, that's not planned. I mean, it just it happens. Sometimes. It just seems, but like a lot of times, it seems careless. That's what that's my point. The Capitals got careless at the end of the game. That's why they lost. <laughs> well, maybe I'm just attacking the team there. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to baseball, the Baltimore Orioles three and seven. We parted ways with a couple guys. Um, somehow, we convinced the Seattle Mariners to take more Orioles hot garbage in Mike Wright. I'm not sure what we got, but whatever we got is worth more than Mike Wright has ever meant to this franchise or ever. Is it will one of those future considerations franchise. thing? Uh, no, we actually got something. I just didn't see what it was, <laughs> and I was just too happy with the fact that I no longer have to watch Mike Wright. Um, they should take all the Mike Wright jerseys and shirts ever printed put them in a pile and burn them. The guy was trash. This is not going to be one of those Orioles pitchers that got away. This guy is going to be trash. And the fact that you know that is we gave him to the Seattle Mariners. We Just don't wait until the people, Mariners get there to do it, though. Like Friday night, first game of the series, burn them. We'll hit five home runs when Mike Wright pitches against us. The Seattle Mariners are the one team that does not take our players and hurt us. When we give them a player, we absolutely steal them. I can't wait to see what the guy that we got does. I'm sure he's going to be great because it seems like we just have dirty photos of the Seattle Mariners owner doing something. And whenever we need to get rid of a guy, we're just like dangle the photo who you got. And they give us somebody really great. We gave them Eric Bedard. We got Adam Jones, Chris Tillman, George Sherrill ended up not panning out, but Tillman and Jones were two key players in that run that of success. We had, we gave them, Steve Clevenger, our third-string catcher, and we got Mark Trumbo. Are you kidding me? What is what are the Seattle Mariners doing? Ah, I don't have an answer for you there. You're a lot more familiar with by the, the way the direct suck. workings with the Mariners. By the way, we suck, and we're going yeah. to be last place. I, 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 the only reason I keep writing it on our little sheet that we look at while we talk to each other is just how excited you were those first two weeks. And, and it was a, it was a different I, I still see things. You, I still see you things grounded. that you were grounded. You weren't saying they were going to go to the playoffs. I, I will give you that, but yeah, three and seven baseball is, is slightly better than it was last year. And that's just telling you how bad it was last year. The pitching is just atrocious outside of Andrew Kashner. Alex Cobb looks like he's never seen a baseball. Alex Cobb looks like he should just be packed into a spaceship and sent to Mars too, because (laughs) he looks horrible. In fact, that might be a running theme. Just the Martian unit. We'll add Alex Cobb to Joe West, Angel Hernandez and CB Buckner. Well, they've now drafted Alex Cobb into the Martian unit that they can send to Mars. Are because, they the ones that are coming to play in Space Jam 2 against LeBron? Yeah, it'll be a baseball game. <laughs> They'll be the monsters. So where Jordan quit baseball to come back to basketball, LeBron's going to take up baseball in Space Jam 2. I, I, hey, sure. That I idea is probably better than what they're actually doing. That movie's so. going to be a train wreck. Yeah, it's going to be bad. The we play the White Sox, playing. who are also bad, so that's comforting. But the Tampa Bay Rays will absolutely murder us. Yeah. 
The Nats still playing even ball. Pittsburgh has had a terrible, terrible week. They were doing really well there, had a hot week. They've lost eight straight. They basically lost every game plus one since the last time we talked. So it's just tough, uh, tough week there. Got swept by the Dodgers, who uh, are 7-3 this last week. Um, so, yeah, not good for my Pirates. I'm glad they had some wins before this losing streak. You could see it coming. Uh, the Yankees are kind of the hot team everybody's talking about. Nine and one in their last ten. Um, they still got guys out with injury, but they're putting up some wins. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah, and um, Cardinals are solid, too, at eight and two. Yeah, and so that's who the Nats and the, excuse me, the Yankees are going to see this week are the Cardinals. Uh, Dodgers are another team uh, that the Yankees no, see. sorry. Uh, I, you're looking at that wrong. The, I'm just, uh, the Yankees, I don't know who they're playing this week, uh, but the Card- Yankees 9-1, and one, Cardinals 8-2 and two in the last 10, and the Dodgers are 7-3 in the last 10. Um, just all three of those teams doing doing well right now. And those are kind of blue buds uh, of yeah. baseball right there. But the Cardinals all- will be playing the Nats. The Nats also get the Phillies, who are tough. And yep. your Pirates are going to have a rough week this week with the Rangers and the A's. Yeah, it, it's, it's not looking good for my Pirates. I admit that. I saw the wreck, Leland, at the end of Talladega. I saw the one I think you were referring to. It was to, crazy. The 42 car going end over end there. That was The yikers. 9 was messed up, too, yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't see that one, but I saw the 42. Um, Chase Elliott ends up winning. Menard finishes 16th, an okay finish, and your boy Bubba, 10 laps Terrible. in, crash out. He had a had an early Sunday afternoon there. He got to... Uh, catch up on uh, other things the rest of that day. He's he's having a h- tough season. He's starting to hear feel the heat. Uh, he's kind of defending himself on Twitter. Um, oh, uh, that's when I'm you not, know you're doing well. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying he doesn't deserve, deserve some heat. Um, I think everybody involved in that operation probably getting some heat because it's not like the cars he's driving are faster than the cars around him. Hey, but good for Menard. Menard's consistently up there, uh, maybe not always top 15, but top 20. I mean, he's always in the top 20. It's hopefully for your sake, I'm, I'm rooting for Menard and where I usually root against you. I'm rooting for Menard to pop up there and get a win some point. Yeah. It's a Virginia, uh, NASCAR team there yep. in the wood brothers, but let's and, take and in Talladega. There was a lot of guys I wasn't as familiar with running near the top too. I mean, not, you know, just the usual names that have been winning every other ways, you know, bushes and true X's and that, uh, there was some different names up there. So, yeah, I meant to watch it because I was interested to see what happened without the restrictor plates, but I've got distracted with other things. The car went upside down. There you go. Um, Dover next week. That's what they love. And safety is seeing cars go upside down. But we will move it on. And when we come back, we will have Stewart's Draft Girls soccer coach, Coach Lane, joining us. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We'd like to welcome Coach Bridget Lane to the X-Sports podcast. Thanks, Coach Lane, for taking the time to talk to us. Um, your Lady Cougars off to a, an 11-0 and start, and not only 11-0, and but 11 clean sheets. Uh, pretty impressive from your girls here to start. Thank you. Yeah, we um, have had some awesome success so far this season. Um, have not let any goals in yet, and so we're hoping to keep that going strong this season. So I want to, you know, the 11 clean sheets – Emma Gallagher in goal, you know, talk about just what you've seen out of her in her time as a Stewart's draft Cougar. Um, Emma Gallagher has come up big for us in the past few seasons. Um, I've had her on my varsity squad since she was a freshman and her freshman year, she started out playing on the field. She got a really bad concussion. Um, her fall, I guess going into her, um, freshman year, she was playing co-ed 
got a really bad concussion in goal and decided, you know, to take the year off in goal, but still was playing on the field for me and kind of in different places, defense, offense. And so her sophomore year, she decided she wanted to kind of pick it back up. We were, you know, needing somewhere to fill that position and she stepped up and has never looked back since. And as that has been her position for the past three years now. And on the offensive side, you know, just every time I'm looking at, you know, Stewart's draft girls soccer game recap or seeing the the tallies from Patrick Hyde on Twitter. It, it seems like Allison Quick recently, especially, has been in a remarkable run of form. Uh, talk about just her performance and the other girls that have leapt out as real key cogs on the offensive side. Um, Allison Quick, for sure. She is a freshman. Um, she I've been watching her, you know, since she was in pretty much elementary school because, you know, you've heard her name around in the area. And so I knew I was expecting a lot out of her this season and she has delivered for sure, especially in the past few games. I mean, she's gotten a couple hat tricks. Um, she is really showing up offensively and will play in pretty much any formation, any area position that I need her to. Um, and that's been really huge for us. And I've got quite a few other girls Reagan Roach is a senior for me this year and she plays up top. You know, she has helped quite a few, um, you know, game winning goals this season, last season, and um, especially in postseason, she showed up big last year. Um, Hannah Chatterton is my center mid who has been with me since she was a freshman on varsity as well. And um, her and Allison have been working really well together this season and it's definitely shown on the field. And, you know, the the game you kind of look at maybe the most is the game against Wilson earlier this year. It was only a 1-0 game. You have them coming up right at the end of the regular season again. Yes. Um, you know, how are you keeping your team motivated? And do you find issues, um, I guess, with maybe complacency with the team winning every game and having a clean sheet and maybe not feeling that need, you know, not being worried defensively necessarily just because of the play on the defensive side. Do you have issues keeping them motivated and saying, guys, if we don't take care of the ball, we're going to be in trouble? It has definitely happened this season. Um, and a lot of that does come from I don't want them to get too comfortable. And I do not want them to go into any game anticipating that the outcome is going to be in our favor, no matter who we're playing, no matter the competition. Because when that happens and it does come to a game like Stonewall or Wilson, um, you know, you have been playing these other games and, you know, I don't want the girls to get comfortable because, you know, sometimes we mix up the formation. We have other players who are able to come in. And so when we get into a high intensity game like Wilson that we will have next week, um, sometimes it takes the girls a little bit to get back in and be like, oh, OK, we are in a much different level right now than we have seen in a couple other games. So I always tell the girls, you can't take anything for advantage. It doesn't matter what has happened in the past, what their record has been, or what happened with that, this team in the previous season. Um, so, yeah, so we do, you know, the, the seniors that I have this year, they'll have eight seniors this year. Um, two years ago when they were sophomores is when we made our state run. And these, these seniors especially really want to go back to states this year. That has been their goal from the very beginning of the season. Um, they keep saying ring season to me all the time. And so I just do have to remind them a little bit, you know, we still have to work for this. This is something that we're going to, because once we get into postseason, it's going to be a whole different ball game. You mentioned that uh, last year 
you guys got close to that state tournament. You lost in the region semifinal to Clark County three to two. Um, have you seen the seniors this year using that as motivation um, and kind of picking up on what you're saying about we can't be complacent. We can't just assume that because of what we've done this year, we're going to walk on the field and be the better team. Absolutely. I think my seniors are definitely the driving force. A lot of them are starters and have been starters since they were freshmen and sophomores on this varsity league. And so they are definitely the ones who try and motivate the underclassmen and kind of get them to understand what this means to them. Um, and I, but I do have, you know, Allison quick, I've got some sophomores and juniors who want it just as bad as the seniors do, which makes it really nice. I feel like we do go into every game hungry to want to come out on top and knowing that, you know, cause there was, there have been a couple games where, you know, the beginning of the season where, when we played them, those teams have gotten better. And so if we, we've improved. And so each time it is challenging to go into a game and make sure that your head is on straight and that you're not you know, focused on what's the out, like the outcome is going to be or what it was last time. So, but yeah, the seniors are very driven this year. Would you say that driven motivation from the seniors is the biggest difference from last year's team to this year's team? Or is, do you think there's more to it? I definitely think we've brought up some really good talent with our players that have really shown up big this year. Um, you know, we got two freshmen, Allison and Casey, and that has, they have both, added some really great minutes into our season this year. Um, and I do have some other underclassmen who they have a really good relationship with the seniors. And I think that they understand that um, this is our season. And so they want to work just as hard as they do. Um, I would be getting in trouble with my other co-host Leland, who unfortunately wasn't able to make it to the interview portion, but he constantly talks about in every sport, the Shandoah district is just so great and it helps all of our teams when they get to that postseason level are you seeing that even at you know in girls soccer and uh i know we see it in football and basketball and the you know sports that get more media attention maybe than girls soccer does but are you seeing that here at girls soccer as well um unfortunately i feel like the shenandoah district for girls soccer in this area it doesn't prepare us um as well for postseason you know you go and you see teams like george mason who have now won 12 years in a row and don't even get me started on that um but i i think that it's growing um and you know next year we'll have some different competition with fort coming in and as well um so i think that will be interesting but something that i've struggled with um my jv coach you know they've only played this was their they played a game tonight this was only their fifth game they have had all season long and part of that is because there's a couple schools that do not have girls jv soccer programs and so it's very hard because how are we going to be preparing our girls for the next step with this varsity level when they're not even able to i mean we had two weeks where our girls didn't have a game and so that's it's it's been really hard. And so I think that when we go and we see Clark County and George Mason and these other schools outside of our district, it's a whole nother level of competition. So let me ask you this. Do you think that your program success in girls soccer, especially here recently with the, you know, it seems year after year, you guys are making deep postseason runs. Do you think that helps, I guess, build the sport up in the area and maybe motivates these other schools to, start looking deeper into forming a girls soccer program or do you, I mean, do you think that's just you guys are doing your thing and you don't think it really has an impact? 
So, I mean, when we had success a couple years ago when we went to states for the first time for girls soccer, we saw I have seen a really large turnout of girls wanting to try out for our program. And I also think um, in the area as well with like club soccer and things like that. But, you know, a lot of it comes down to their girls are just there's multiple sports that they are also interested in. So when you have travel season in the fall, you have girls that are playing volleyball or running cross country and things like that. And so I feel like there is definitely multi-sport athletes out there. Um, and, but I do think our success in our program and how far we have gone in the past has definitely helped us with our numbers and with girls wanting to come out and making it more competitive just within the Stewart Straft school district. Okay. And, uh, I'll get you out of here on, uh, a question that we ask all of our guests, uh, just to kind of lighten it up here at the end. But, uh, what is something, I know you're very busy with this soccer team and it shows you guys are on a incredible run. Thank and, you. And we wish you the best of luck. But are you in your off time? Is there something on Netflix or TV shows that you're binging or what are you into? Um, well, I'm a seventh grade social studies teacher, so I have to keep up with my middle schoolers and I am guilty of watching Riverdale. Okay. Um, it is definitely a guilty pleasure because I have to keep up with what they're talking about. And so I'm a Riverdale fan. All right. Well, again, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to talk to us, Coach Lane. And uh, best of luck to the Lady Cougars on your guys chase for a state championship and a ring season as your players Thank are telling you so you. much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Leland, it's time to get personal. I'll go ahead and lead it off. What is dominating my life is the Liverpool title chase. We're down to two games left in the premier league season. I know you're at the edge of your seat. Like I am Liverpool right now behind Manchester city. Man City's one goal against Burnley came. It went across the line by 22 or like 25 millimeters before the guy was able to clear it from Burnley. It went over the line, so it counted as a goal. It was so upsetting. I was rooting for Burnley like I have never rooted for them before. They are a team of zero stars and just absolutely nothing going on offensively, so you knew it was going to need to be a nil-nil game. And when that goal got scored by Man City... I could just feel the positivity drain out of me. And it stayed for the rest of the day because I'll get to it later. But um, Liverpool still, now it's on to power to the Foxes, as Fred G. Stanford would say. And hopefully the G stands for goals for Leicester City and the Foxes. We need them to at least tie. That's the thing. I don't even care if Man City doesn't lose. I just need them to not win either of the next two games. And I need Liverpool to win both Premier League games to win the title for the first time in 29 years. It would be magical. I just want it to happen. Liverpool also has to play in the Champions League against Barcelona and maybe the greatest player in the world in the history of the game in Leo Messi in Barcelona. They go to Barcelona on Wednesday. Return leg will be at Anfield. Just don't lose this game. Preferably, you get a goal. At, at Camp New, if you're Liverpool, I would be surprised if Liverpool didn't score. I'm just worried that they won't be able to keep Barcelona off the board, and I just hope it's, you know, the higher the tie, if it's like 5-5, that's dream case scenario for Liverpool because then you don't even have to win at Anfield. You just have to not lose, basically, and you're through. Um, so it's all about scoring goals. 
as many goals as you can at Barcelona, and uh, hopefully they'll get to the Champions League final. On the other side, it's Tottenham and Ajax, and uh, I don't know. It could go either way. That's going to be a good match. I'll go Ajax just for fun. What's dominating your life, Leland? Jeopardy. Jeopardy's it, man. I, I You know, we, we have it on the DVR a lot of times. We'll have it running where we just have the recording the latest episode and uh, erase the other episode when it's there. But the last two weeks I've been watching it every night because they have James Holzhauer winning. He's won 18 straight now. Interestingly enough, tonight was his toughest game yet. Uh, he only won by $18. The second-place guy finished with 53999 and uh, Holzhauer with $54,017, just ahead. $18 difference, by far the closest game he's had. I like watching James Holzhauer play. I mean, through those 17 games, he has been dominating everybody. Um, and I I like in jeopardy. I, I enjoy seeing excellence. I liked when Ken Jennings went on his 70-game running streak and all that. I like Holzhauer because he's winning with big money. I like that he, at this pace would achieve the same amount of money as Ken Jennings in half the time. He's averaging seventy-some thousand dollars a game winning. The old record for single game was seventy-seven thousand. He has the top six, I think, single day amounts winning. Uh, it's just very impressive the amount of money he's building up, the strategy he uses to do that, and uh, he knows a lot of stuff and he doesn't miss much. Um, and he just kind of overtakes the opponents around him. And while they're still getting legs under him to this first time experience on Jeopardy, you know, he's 15, 18 games in now, and he's getting all the thousand dollar questions done before they even know what hit him. So I like watching it. Um, I, I am enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And my family's into it too. We're all watching it and we all following along what's going on. We're talking about it at work. It's, I, I like it. It's good for Jeopardy. I like it. I like Jeopardy. I don't mind people winning a lot. I don't mind long winning streaks in Jeopardy. I don't like watching a guy go into Final Jeopardy 17 times in a row knowing it's over before the Final Jeopardy question is even revealed. Uh, it sounds like tonight was worth watching. Um, unfortunately, it, tonight I missed. Um, but it, it, I, I didn't like watching UConn's women beat everyone by 100 points when they stepped on the floor. And I don't like watching a guy win by you know $50,000 every night. I, to me, it's not exciting. I think long winning streaks and big money is good for Jeopardy because it gets people watching, but I don't think it makes for a competitive episode. I don't know what you I, call them, matches, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, is this the pitch? Is Trebek out there with the pitch? I don't know. I, I it's I like it. I've I've enjoyed it. I I don't know if this is the kind of guy I want in my living room while I'm watching March Madness, but I like him I, I like watching him play the way he's been playing. Um, I think it's kind of refreshing the way he's attacking the board. He's not the first person to attack the board like this. Everybody's kind of going crazy. He's been the most successful at it. There's been other guys that attack the board trying to find those double jeopardies early and stuff. That's not groundbreaking. It's it's the amount that he's winning is the groundbreaking. I, I'm enjoying it. On this stage, I like it. I, I, don't, I haven't related it to the UConn women at any point. I will say... The most talk I ever experience about women's college basketball is when UConn's been at the top or when Tennessee's been at the top. And these years where Notre Dame or Baylor and these other teams kind of seem to be doing a little better than UConn, it seems like the buzz around women's basketball isn't as high. So I don't think it's just a blatant bad thing for a dominant figure. You know, when the Yankees went on their stretch in the night, baseball was booming. It was good for baseball. A lot of money, a lot of attention. 
So I don't think it's always bad to have an evil empire or the Darth Vader or however you want to phrase that of a, of a thing. Now, eventually it's got to end and that's where it pays off. The problem for Jeopardy is that thing ends. People don't tune in the next night or they do for two more or three more nights, but then they're gone again. This is getting people in front of it. I, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. How's it working for the NBA and the lowest rated playoffs they've ever had so far? Uh, the, that's more to do, I think, with LeBron, LeBron James not being in it. I think it has more uh, to do with The number it's down that. has more, it's more well, than just that. What was it last year when Golden State was the same team they are now? It was very highly rated. Yeah, but now everyone knows that they, they're going to win. I don't know. That Rockets game yesterday was pretty competitive. Cool. They're not going to, they're not going to win. They're thanks not, for playing but Houston. it was competitive, and I think it can be a competitive series. Thanks for showing up. Um, thanks, everybody else, for coming to the NBA playoffs. Drive they home safe. They played six games against a, like, a Clippers team that's Enjoy not even the best Clippers team they've had in the recent or, years. Or, you know, I don't know, video games or whatever it is you do I, in the offseason. I think this is more to do with LeBron James being out of it. Kevin Durant, you're not allowed to re-sign with the Golden State Warriors. You have to go to a different team. Good luck. I'm, I'd, I'd hope he just does go to another team. That'd be fine with me. I'm not uh, some kind of Warriors fan. I don't like the Warriors. You love them. You love dominant teams. Um, <laughs> all right. What do you know that we need to know? What do I know that y'all need to know is that the Kentucky Derby is coming up on Saturday. It's the beginning of May. It's the, it's the start of summer is kind of what the Kentucky Derby, it starts transitioning us from spring into summer. And it's the first leg of the triple crown. And growing up, I always wanted to watch a triple crown horse. And I guess now I've seen two of them uh, in recent years close enough together. Um, and I never thought I'd see one. It just seemed like one of those things that would never happen. Uh, but we've seen them. But I still get excited. Like if, if a horse wins these first two, if the same horse wins these first two, I'll be excited that I might see another triple crown because I know there was that, what, 40 years or something without one. So um, but I can't tell you a horse that's going to be in the race on Saturday. It's it's something I show up for on TV. I hear the gate's going to open at 545. I show up about 540. And the race happens, and I turn it off. They get me for 10 minutes, and I'm out. I'm not trying to make it out to be I'm some horse racing fan that I follow it. In the second race, I'll only be able to tell you the horse that won the first race or maybe the one that was favored to win that didn't win. That's going to be all I have. But it's fun, and it's easy to jump into. And they build those broadcasts for you to jump in and enjoy it for those 10 minutes. And, um, yeah, I, I enjoy that. I'm looking forward. I'll make sure my – you know, alarm is set to make sure I turn it over to NBC at the right time and uh, I'll watch it. And it's fun. I, the most ones I've ever had watching Kentucky Derby has been at like restaurants or something where they have the TVs on sports and uh, hearing people's reaction and the yelling. I, I think it'd be cool to be in Vegas or maybe even just make it simpler. Charles Taylor racetrack. I think it'd be cool to be in that atmosphere when that's going where people around might even have money on it. That's that would be a cool atmosphere to be in. But uh, yeah, it's coming up Saturday. Don't miss it. Yeah. Um, let me tell you where else it would be cool to be. Churchill Downs at Kentucky. Yeah, that's sure. But I felt, I don't know. My level of care is not, <laughs> I, I don't, it's kind of like people talk about playing at Augusta for golf. I like golf. I love playing it. I love drinking a beverage while on the golf course. I don't feel like my appreciation of golf is worthy to what the masters is. So I wonder if the Kentucky Derby is where my little carrying of horse racing belongs. Now, maybe up there in Maryland where they run that second one, the Preakness, that's a bunch of drunk idiots up there partying in the middle of that. Maybe that's more my, my, I wouldn't be shown to care the least. Those guys jumping on Porter potty to Porter potty. I think I can have more horse 
racing knowledge and care than they do. But Kentucky Derby, that's like hollowed ground for that sport. Yeah, I do like horse racing. Uh, oh, God. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love horse racing. I would love to be able to go to Churchill Downs. I'd love to be able to take my mom to Churchill Downs because she also loves horses and loves horse racing. Um, it, it's amazing. Um, she's been to Churchill Downs before, obviously That's not awesome. for a derby, but, um, it, I love the whole lead up. I, I, we don't start watching when it comes on. Usually we've got other stuff going on in the afternoons and we will this year as well, but we'll start recording it because they show the undercard races as well. So that's where you yeah. really get you, you, you can fast forward through the first three hours of the preview and still get plenty of preview for the Kentucky Derby. Don't worry. Um, so we fast forward through all the talking and watch the undercard races as well up until we finally get caught up. It's usually about an hour, hour and a half still until the race starts. And Are they gonna we have catch those... all the preview. We catch the singing of my old Kentucky home. That's we fine. catch cool. all the pageantry going on, all the celebrity predictions. Uh, it's very cool. So you're going to do it more than I am. I'll, get, I'll give you that. It. Yeah. I, are they going to have the ice skating people there with their crazy hats? I know everybody do. has crazy hats, but are they going to have the ice skaters on the broadcast again? They always do. Yeah. See, I just feel like it cheapens it a little bit. I, I know that I agree with. I don't need that, but yeah. And I know that like probably brings in more of an audience and, or maybe some of the audience that's just showing up would be like, Oh, I know them from ice skating at the Olympics. And like, I, I understand what they're doing. But it's the same as when NBC puts Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the middle of something he doesn't belong at. I just, I don't need that. Um, But I guess somehow they think that's a good idea. Well, I guess. I mean, Um, I watch the ice skating at the Olympics too, and those they don't bother me. I I I get I get what they have there, and it's there's entertainment value to it. I just don't I don't need it at the Kentucky. It doesn't make sense to me. But I guess that's why I'm not running NBC Sports. It's true. Um, That's it. That's the reason. That's the only reason. And yep. let me say, Otherwise, I got it. Let me say this now. <laughs> if you watch Game of Thrones but have not seen last night's episode yet, now is the time to go ahead and like or subscribe, share yeah, the we'll episode, see you next week. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Let me give you a few seconds of pausing before I jump into my thoughts. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones and you just want to hear a good old-fashioned rant or you do watch Game of Thrones and you've already seen the episode and you want a minority take, I guess, because I've seen a lot of positive reviews of what happened, uh, go ahead and stick around here after this I heard it was crazy. quick pause. All right, come back. Okay, I watched an hour and a half of hot garbage be thrown in my face. Ever since they passed the books, I have had to live with this show taking a drastic nosedive into a cliff. Um, and it's filled with the cliche movie and TV show nonsense and show magic that you see in your other shows, which is why I liked Game of Thrones the first five or so seasons when it was with the books. I liked it because it wasn't like the other shows. It wasn't afraid to kill off main characters. Good versus evil, sometimes the good guys don't win, sometimes the bad guys win. Sometimes the good guys become bad guys, sometimes the bad guys become good guys. Sometimes the thing that you're not expecting to happen happens but it happens in a realistic, somewhat realistic situation. It's not filled with, again, the last second miraculous save, the out of nowhere for no reason this happens kind of moments. If I wanted to watch that, I would just watch Frozen and watch Elsa bring Olaf back, which, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen Frozen by now, you're not going to. So <laughs> Spoiler alert on Frozen. 
Um, yep. it, I would have watched Elsa bring back Olaf after he melts, and now he's surrounded by just his own cold air pocket um, for no reason other than, you know, Disney and we can't kill a character because we got to sell toys. Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones is just so ridiculous. The, it, the whole show has been building up the last seven seasons, and the first two episodes have been building up to the White Walkers are coming. It's the army of the dead. They're coming for the living. They're, the Night King is this big terror. Okay, we have this big battle, right? Game of Thrones has been wiping characters off the show left and right because that's how the show operates. That's what makes it good. You don't know what's going to happen. They're not afraid to make bold decisions. Now it's almost like Mickey Mouse has gotten involved and the Mouse House is in here and we can't kill anybody who could sell toys or make the show interesting or that people like because, you know, feelings. It's the problem I have now because you have this big episode, right? And this was the one episode where I was like, all right, we're going to see some characters get we're gonna lose some people that don't matter brienne of tarth uh her i don't know romantic well he's romantic he wants to be romantically involved but she's not into him i don't know the red-headed guy wildling lose him um podrick lose him uh let's see who else could have gone that didn't go oh i don't know <laughs> hold on jamie lannister could have gone um it is if you want to keep shows, him around. I, I mean, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but on Walking Dead, I mean, I used to root for people to go, including just, Carl. I'm so and tired I of it. Deaths of main characters. I'm just so tired of it. Again, the last second saves. I don't know how many times I saw someone being mauled, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here comes another main character. Uh, don't worry, I'll save you because now show magic. Yeah. Don't worry, you're getting clawed and stabbed a lot, but show magic. Yeah. And just total, absolute nonsense. Oh, yeah, Grey Worm. Total. <laughs> we, we probably needed nerd alert before this. I mean, you're you're full out pissed at Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> Grey Worm. Grey Worm pulling the Palisades on his own troops like a total jerk, by the way, was an unredeeming quality. But somehow he, who, by the way, was also in the front, leading from the front, somehow ends up in the back. Because, again, show magic um ends up in the back and totally safe now uh, i don't know how many times i saw the army of the dead clash with uh gray worm and then somehow he's still alive because show is gray worm a person or a dragon he's a person um oh yeah by the way the dragon any of these dragons the the night king's dragon's the only one that's gonna die the other one i know what you're thinking if you're listening right now whoa john snow's dragon may be dead don't worry he's not show magical save him. i actually wasn't thinking that show magical save him um <laughs> Speaking of show magic, um, the it, this gets me to the the bigger problem. Arya coming <laughs> out of the big problem. We yet. finally get the Night King. He's getting ready to kill one of the most useless characters in the show. And Bran, I'm getting jazzed. I'm like, all right, dude, Night King and Bran, and then the Night King can die next episode. That's fine. Arya from the top rope out of nowhere comes leaping apparently off of a giant building that happened to be nearby that got constructed in the Fortnite yeah. in the split second that you weren't it's Fortnite. It's Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah. So Fortnite construction <laughs> rules. She just jumps from the top rope and the Night King catches her by the throat. Coming full speed, catches her by the throat. She's fine though. Don't worry. She just drops the dagger into her other hand without any problems and stabs him. And then the Night King and the entire army of the dead's gone. Um and Arya saves the day because show magic. Um, she just 
sprints past. She leaps over the young entire girl. yeah. She leaped over the entire army of the dead. She escaped a castle that was overrun with dead people. Ran through a courtyard that was overrun with dead people. Which again, by the way, I know what you're thinking. Oh, Joe, you said it's overrun by dead people. Did um, none of the main <laughs> characters die? Yeah, you're right. None of the main <laughs> characters died. I know what you're thinking if you watch the show. Well, Jorah's kind of a main character. Not really. He's a meat shield. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch that scene where Daenerys has him and is throwing him around like a rag doll to eat swords that are being thrown at her. The poor guy is getting stabbed time and time again. I was like, poor Jorah the Explorer, dude, getting stabbed over and over. Four times you said, I know what you're thinking. And, and not once you've nailed it for me. Well, but I'm talking to the people who watch the show. <laughs> oh, and I know what you're thinking. Liddy Mormont was so cool. She was a 12-year-old girl who shouldn't even been in the battle. It was bad parenting. And by everyone involved at the battle, she gets her entire body crushed, but still has enough strength to stab a giant in the eye because show magic. And uh, let's see, who was the third person? Oh, yeah, the guy i can't remember his name that's how important he was from the night's watch they get stabbed saving sam tolly who by the way totally worthless character a fat piece of goo that might as well have just been totally murdered by the night king himself theon gets killed i don't care about theon he's not a major player here you needed to lose brienne of tarth you needed to lose podrick you needed to lose Grey Worm or his significant other in the crypt, which by Couldn't the way... Couldn't they just trade him to the Mariners? Yeah. I, by the way, when they raise the dead in the crypt, which is the other like, I guess, front in the battle where everything is safe in the crypt, they bring the dead back in the crypt which was cool, but then I don't think a single major character in the crypt died either because show magic. They don't have any weapons, but show magic saves them in the end because that's the only weapon you really need is lazy writers from HBO who don't have enough guts to kill somebody because they're they're clueless and gutless george rr R. martin made this show and made these books and once they passed him they're like well you know show magic so whatever it's lazy writing i don't have a problem that aria kills the night king i don't have a problem that the night king is dead i have a problem with aria leaping off the top rope out of nowhere to do it it was total nonsense here's how aria should have done it and here's how the show would have been better bran sacrifices himself in what would have been the ultimate sacrifice and somewhat of a redeeming quality and tells but before he does tells Arya, look you're because she's the many-faced person or whatever and has the ability to take other people's faces and this is a little bit of magic so you're gonna lose i'm gonna like lose Nicholas you here cage and john travolta i'm gonna lose you a little bit here leland but <laughs> she has the ability to rem <laughs> take other people's faces and look like them brand stabs himself that allows Arya to become Bran or look like Bran. So she is pretending to be Bran. She's in the wheelchair. Night King comes up. She stands up. Everyone's like, wait a minute. How is Bran standing right now? She stabs the Night King there. Then she takes off Bran's face. It's Arya. Ta-da. You had your Arya kill the Night King. I'm, I'm more okay with it because it actually makes sense in the concept of the show. And I'm not watching somebody leap off from off screen um, seemingly out of nowhere because of show magic. Again, I've just given you a better storyline than what the writers of HBO who get paid to do this have done. I've also killed off another character that they didn't have the guts to kill. So um, I should be running NBC Sports, and you should be running that show. It's just disgusting. Could you imagine if in Top Gun, instead of Goose getting shot down, uh, some nameless or some bird flies in the way of a missile and eats a missile for Goose, so an actual Goose flies into the path of the missile, eats the <laughs> missile, and then Goose survives because of 
movie magic. I mean, when are we going to draw the line on just bad shows being bad shows? And when is someone going to have the guts to come out and say it? Uh, here's a hint. It's not going to be anybody that actually writes for these organizations because they're all tied together because they're all owned by the same people now. So they have to write positive reviews about everything. And they have to be like, oh, well, it made me feel good inside. I don't care about how you feel inside. Have emotion. Make me believe that the characters are actually in trouble and in danger. I have no – there is no danger for anyone in the show anymore. Eventually, either Cersei or Daenerys is going to have to die. That's the only thing I know. It's going to be Cersei probably because Daenerys is, quote, unquote, the good guy. And these show writers have no guts. And good's always going to win because they're cowards. And they don't have the ability to write real things in life. Hey, kids, here's a lesson. The bad guys, they usually win. So go ahead and grow up and get used to it. But, hey, for those of you that aren't into Game of Thrones, I know what you're thinking. We're never going to let Joe talk about Game of Thrones for this long again. Don't worry. We'll, we'll give him after the finale. I guess we'll give him a minute. But that was something, dude. It needed to be something. said. It needed to be said. I'm sick and tired of these people just being like, Yay, Arya! It was so cool! Yeah, we don't know how she got there, but, you know, show magic, so whatever. All right. Well, it, it's been... We can't uh, kill anyone in Avengers, and we can't kill anyone in Game of Thrones anymore, folks. Good night. Avengers? The wussification of America is complete. Congratulations. Everyone wins. Everyone's a winner. Let's give everyone a medal. I haven't seen it yet. I'm not going to watch it because I'm going to be ticked off. I'm going to need more time to decompress after this Game of Thrones thing. (laughs) Fair enough. Your Orioles suck. Your Ravens suck. You want a dose of reality? The oil barons who own Manchester City and commit human rights violations on a daily basis in their own country are going to win the Premier League and be praised as great human beings. That's reality. Well, I... I guess there's a Robert Kraft in there joke somewhere, but I'll leave it to be. Yeah, what a we'll great leave, human being Robert Kraft is. Yeah, we'll leave it be. Uh, thank everybody for listening uh, this week and making it through that last segment because I barely did. Um, great interview there with uh, Stewart Draft coach Lane there. Thank her for coming on. Uh, some other local coaches coming up in the next couple weeks. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter. Interact with us on Twitter. We always look forward to talking to you guys. And uh, tell us your thoughts on Game of Thrones. Uh, make sure you at Joe Deck in there, at Joe Deck 5, I think, or something. Something um, like that. Mike Wolfrey, uh, tag me in Facebook. We'll go at it again. I've been pretty yeah. good on his Facebook by not doing any spoilers. That's why I just needed to get it out of my system. Well, there you go. And uh, hopefully you guys do come back next week where we won't talk about as much Game of Thrones. We won't talk about more, any. Maybe a little more Jeopardy, because if that guy's still on, that's going oh, to be, be making a run there. He'll be over the 20 mark. Uh, so, uh, come back next week. We got more to talk about the regular season for spring sports closing up and plenty else to talk about as we get into May and we'll have a horse on its way to a triple crown, maybe. So come back next week. We look forward to talking to you then. Thanks. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.